Hello there and welcome to episode 21 of At Home with Refni. And today we're talking about what happens when a vendor, someone who's selling a property, gets fed up with their agent for whatever reason um, and decides to end their contact with that agent and appoint a new agent. So what is likely to be the story behind such a scenario and what as a buyer can you learn from it or how might it affect you as a buyer if dealing with a property that is now being sold by a second agent. So today we have to discuss this issue my friend Geraldine Carey who is an estate agent herself and whose sign I was very happy on her behalf to notice now up on a property which previously had had a different agent sign up on it. So Geraldine you're very welcome today. And thank you for joining us. And I'd love to ask you, what has happened? What is up when a vendor changes agent? Thanks, Breffney. Yeah, I'll go through that now to in detail. Um, I was I was delighted to <clears throat> take on this property, which I knew had been for sale already and uh, had found that the sale had fallen through. And Geraldine, now, can I just ask you, initially, had you been invited out to value that property no, originally? No, I hadn't. So you weren't one of the original people I outside? Wasn't. Okay, perfect. No. Thank you. Now, when I met the vendor, uh, she was... She was quite she was quite upset and concerned because the sale process had gone on for quite a while and the sale had just fallen through with the first agent. Okay, so it had been the property had been on the market for a couple of weeks or months? Some some months, up to three months I believe. Okay. Mainly now during the summer period. Okay. Yeah. So she came to me anyway and was very, uh, I think as far as I'm aware, she got my name. She would have known me anyway, but have gotten my name from somebody else on the same street. Okay, and Geraldine, am I right in understanding that the sale had actually fallen through? It had been on the market for yes. three months. It had been sale agreed. It had been sale agreed, absolutely. Right. And the sale had fallen through. Okay, thank you for clarifying that. <clears throat> now, the... The agent, the main issue, well, initially anyway, for, for me, from my perspective, was that the the, sorry, the, the, the vendor had um, lost, I suppose, trust in, in agents in general. Okay. And that was the first thing that I had to deal with, really, was to try and establish a rapport and to gain the confidence of, of this particular vendor, um, mainly, as I said, in the field of uh, uh, trust, to try to build up a relationship with her again and... To let her know, I suppose, that I had confidence in myself that I would get this house sold for her at a very good price. And can you give and, us any indication of how you go about building up trust with, with someone? Yeah. Well, it was largely, initially, I suppose, it was actually sitting down and listening to her. Okay. Sitting down and listening and taking notes and being empathetic with her as well. Right. And listen to all her concerns. Of course, I asked her what she felt had gone wrong last time because clearly um, it's only when you find out about what went on last time that you can improve on on, on things Mm -hmm. and also um, I suppose another concern that a person generally would have in these circumstances and which I've come across before is a person has paid out a lot of money up front on marketing charges Mm -hmm. And as you know yourself, Brefney, you have your daft ad, my home ad, the signs, it adds up to a nice bit of money. Sometimes maybe, I think in the circumstances, it could have been up to 1300 1400 euro. Yes, right. And then vendors absolutely are upset that 
they think that they're going to have to fork out the same type of monies again to a new agent like myself. Mm -hmm. So that was another concern. So trust, I suppose, and the whole issue of fees having been paid and expenses having been paid for already and no result at the end of that. So what I did in that situation, well, in terms of trust anyway, now the trust is a slow thing to build back up again. Yes. And that took a number of weeks, most definitely. Sure. But the main way, apart from sitting down and listening to the, the vendor initially, was actually to build up trust by, by the actions that I, that I took. Yes. And Doing being what very you fast you'll about do. it. Right. Yeah. So um, I essentially tried to find out what had happened before, how the sale process had been conducted before, and then compare that, I suppose, with what I would do, what I would, what, what I would have done myself in the circumstances, and were there any improvements that could be made. Okay, um, so just to have a look at the sales process, the different kinds of things that make up the sale process. We're talking yeah. about photographs of the property. Yes. We're talking about text. We're yeah. talking about open viewings, viewings, numbers of people in through the door. I, were they kinds of things that they were? She was happy, or he or she was happy with the time. They were there was concerns with <coughs> certainly there was concerns with um, not so much a brochure um, that was done or the, the photographs, but it was it was mainly to do with the way the viewings were conducted. Okay, and how the house was marketed. Mm -hmm. Now <clears throat> it's my understanding that what happened there was that uh, there was. There was, there was one open viewing in, in the whole three months. There was one open viewing, and then if somebody else wants to see the house, they might arrange another viewing. Now, first of all, I suppose I differentiate myself from the bigger agents with, uh, with those open viewings. I, I would conduct uh, several open viewings to begin with in the first two weeks. I believe that in the first two weeks, the agents need to invest significant energy um, once a property goes on daft, because the market at the moment is that once a property is up on daft and my home and your sign is up, people are looking. Yeah. They're also set up for the um, the alerts. So when a property is available, they know about it immediately. So the first two weeks, I think, of the sales process are always critical. I completely agree with yes. you. I complete from every point of view. From every point of view. Yeah, for from the point of view of instilling confidence with the and vendor. Instilling confidence. And also from the point of view of showing the public that you're someone who's going to act. If Absolutely. they phone you, you phone them back. Indeed. If they previously tried to see this property and haven't been able to, that they now can. They now can. Yeah. And that there's flexibility as well because you'll find that some agents they don't actually show property until they have built up a kind of a cohort of people to see it. Mm -hmm. But as a smaller agent and dedicated agent, what I would do is, if a person wants to see a property, I'll have them in there. Okay. Bearing in mind now as well that the vendor doesn't necessarily want people in for a viewing every day of the week because we mm -hmm. all appreciate that, including myself very recently, I sold my house and I did find it difficult getting my house ready every time for, for, sure. for people to come in and view it because mm -hmm. you'd like to show off your property to best effect and that let's all let's agree on that that all takes time and effort for sure so one thing if you're a buyer listening to this and yes. you see a new agent has been appointed to sell a property you're interested in one thing you might be able to uh, expect is that you're going to be able to see this property a little bit more easily than perhaps you had been able to before Indeed. if that had been a difficulty that's, that's correct because yeah. you're going to face this energy of a yeah. new of a new agent 
The other issue um, that the vendor noted to me was that uh, when I'm selling a property, to me that property, um, particularly on the street we're talking about, is a very exclusive little property with all its all with the location, with um, it's an old property with old style features, etc. And you want people who actually are interested in that specific property to come to see it. Mm. And how do you find agents, them? What has happened is um, they take people around on a type of this is what happened. They've taken people around on a type of whistle stop tour of all the properties of similar price range. Now that to me does not create exclusivity. You want people in the door. It's not volumes you want in the door. It's people who are interested in your particular property. Okay, so what I'm understanding is that maybe an agent who had this property for sale before might have taken clients on a tour of perhaps a one-bedroom apartment, a two-bedroom house, a three-bedroom semi-detached somewhere else that might all have been in the same price bracket. Yes, indeed. But your point is that if someone wants a house with period features, they're unlikely to want a modern apartment. Indeed. Right. So that from that perspective, was the vendor at the time would have thought that, I suppose they were questioning why so many people were coming to see the property, but not necessarily interested or any positive feedback thereafter and okay. found out that was one of the reasons okay i went back as well and looked at the signage i felt the signage was better the look i felt that the signage could be improved um, there's a captive audience there on the main road where uh, and we can never underestimate the importance of a for sale sign and when i started selling houses initially i discovered that very very quickly because I would ordinarily have a for sale sign up three or four days in advance of mm-hmm. having the brochure on daft in my home. Mm-hmm. And the number of calls you get on a sign alone was, was, was quite surprising to me. Uh, yes, and I completely have had that same surprise. Yes. Because just like anything, you can't coordinate it so that at the very same yes. moment, it's live on my home Indeed. and the sign is up. And it just you can never make it happen. Yes. But these two things happen at yeah. exactly the same moment. And I completely agree. There yes. is a surprising amount of interest generated Indeed. by signs. And it's not just neighbours yes. phoning up. It's actually people who walk up and down yes. that area and they're interested. Like the audience yeah, the precisely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 So we got two signs up there and it helped greatly. In fact, I had a lot of feedback from people saying, I see your signs up there. Mm. And then the other issue was that I felt this house, I knowing the area so well, that I felt that the newspapers would be interested as well. And I approached the editor of the property section of The Independent. And lo and behold, I was more than pleased to see that they had, they afforded me half a page in the... Um, property section of the independent on it as well which the uh, vendor was was absolutely thrilled with and delighted with great okay uh, it was a small house where where every dimension is critical in terms of storage space and uh, i think the agent or the the the, the property editor described as diminutive dimensions but he put it he just wrote a lovely article on the property and with the whole kind of theme being what you can do with a small property and how you can maximise the space in a small property. Okay, so as a second agent, you have increased the number of viewings uh, that you'll do. You have been a bit particular about who you'll bring. You want them to specifically have a desire to have these period features. You've increased the signage around the place. 
you have got editorial coverage, so your yes. vendor is obviously very happy with you. Yes. Now, in terms of feedback to the vendor, just out of interest, do you think that you're giving the vendor better quality feedback than the other agent had in terms of, you know, the kinds of things people were saying about the property or yes. not? You, oh, you do. Okay. Absolutely, hmm. I do. Um, another thing I suppose I looked at in great detail as well is um, as a chartered engineer, I'm able Aha. to read uh, uh, BER reports, building energy rating reports and all that very well, um, uh, surveys, understand them, talk to people knowledgeably about the house and um, one issue that the people who come in to see the property had was that, oh we have a very bad BER rating here. but. I went through the report in detail. I'm a building energy rating assessor myself as well, so I understand uh, I understand the reports in great detail and how they're compiled and why one might get a, a particularly bad BER uh, with a uh, result that you would think is, is you know worse than it, than it ought to be. And one of the reasons that the BER was, was particularly bad in this property was to do with the fact that there were three chimneys in the property, three open fireplaces. Uh -huh. Now, I turned that around in a very positive way in terms of the buyer and said, this is an old house with three charming fireplaces. And so I stated, I stated the reason to them as to why the BER was so poor. And then I also let them know how they might improve that result down the line if they, so, it's, it was just explaining, it was just taking time mm -hmm. to explain to somebody and to understand, to understand the BER, why it's so bad. And when people know something and are, are you know, if, it, was, it was just very important to try and explain to them as to why the result was so bad. Because when people don't, are not in that business themselves and they see such a result, some people might even panic and say, this, there has to be something wrong with this house with this very poor grade. Mm -hmm. But... As I said, I explained to them in a very positive way that it's an old house built in the nineteen around nineteen ten or so, and that, um, yes, the results are bad, but it's to do with the fact that if they were buying this house, they'd be buying it with three charming open fireplaces. Firstly, you have different levels of expertise. You're a chartered yes. engineer. You are also a BER assessor. That's amazing, really. To that yes. kind of knowledge has got to instill a lot of confidence in buyers that you really do know what you're talking about. Yes. Now, uh, indeed, um, it's great to be able to talk with confidence about all of these issues. And uh, when somebody comes into a property and uh, <clears throat> and says something potentially negative about it, um, it's not as if I just want to say that the issue isn't there, but just to be able to explain to a person what it is, and also even to go as far as uh, what it might cost to Great. To, to, to to repair or put mm -hmm. right. I mean, mm -hmm. for and also I suppose to explain to them that in an old house, there's bound to be almost invariably some some residual some re residual defects. Yeah, sure, exactly. Yeah. They're not buying a, an yeah. off the plans three bed mm -hmm. semi. They're buying an old house. Yeah, but you will get that sometimes. In fact, I've I've come across that uh, quite a few times recently including a house, an old house that I bought myself where I got a surveyor in to do a report and it turned out to be a 25-page report. The surveyor was very, very particular. And, um, but as I said, as an engineer, I was able to read between the lines essentially and just look for certain things. Was my roof okay? 
um, you know, the, 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 the very the, the issues that would cost you a lot of money. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so I was able to really go through all that report in detail and pick out what the critical issues were, if any. Mm-hmm. So that is something that I am finding that I have to do as well with um, potential buyers where they might be very concerned. I mean, the average person would be particularly concerned about getting a 20 page report. A person who doesn't work in the business or have any knowledge of engineering. So it's very important to be able to, I won't say handhold, but it's very important to be able to sit down with them and explain what the issues are. Mm-hmm. And also to the point even of maybe um, giving them some kind of order of cost as to what yeah. it might be. And to explain to them that this report is just a report. There may be some issues that they may have to sort down the line but uh, that the house is structurally yeah. sound, etc. Yeah. To be able to, For to sure. hold up to that extent, yeah. Exactly, and I often think the people who are going to buy houses forget that if a surveyor was to come and survey the very house they're living in yes. and maybe selling, it wouldn't get a clean bill of health either. Like Indeed. houses are dynamic things yes. and basically living things nearly Indeed. to some extent. Yeah. And it's rare that any house is going to yeah. get a clear bill of health. Particularly the older houses, yeah. I say, you know, yeah. yeah. And Geraldine, I'm interested to know if any viewers came back to you who had seen it with the previous agent, was there any kind of feedback or not? Or like, oh, I saw it with that agent and oh, you're able to tell me a lot more about it? Or I'm thinking from a buyer's perspective, um, I, do you think they are likely to have two different experiences? Not in the specific case we're talking mm-hmm. about now, but I have come across it in the past where um, people have said to me, you know, the, you're the new agent now and what happened as opposed to the previous agent. Mm. And they've certainly given me feedback in the negative on other agents in the past saying, oh, we could never get to see this property or yeah. this guy. This guy was simply found him difficult to deal with and um, didn't want to arrange viewings, told us to ring back two weeks time, can't get him to get him to, to arrange a viewing in the first place. So I've often had that, mm-hmm. but not in the specific example we're talking about now. Okay. I don't believe there are any people who had come to view it with the first agent that had come back to me mm-hmm. second time round. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, Geraldine, just before we finish up today, and I'm really grateful for the time Thank you've you. taken to explain how one agent may differ from another when they take over the selling of a house or a property. Um, I'd love to ask you about, you're an engineer. Not, yes. Most agents are not engineers. And that was a bit of a, a story, I'm sure, how you came to be an estate agent from being an engineer. Yes, well, <clears throat> I worked as a chartered engineer, Brethney, for, 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 for about 22 or 23 years. I was qualified from UCD and um, I worked. I started on building sites in England to begin with. We were building a, 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 um, a barracks for the Queen's Soldier in Windsor, right down the road from huh. the castle. I worked then in the last number of years, up until 2009, I mainly worked with developers in helping them get planning permission for large-scale developments. Right. So um, I went on then to do postgraduate diploma in project management as well, which also helps me greatly now because it means that um, in terms of multitasking and in terms of managing different people who, who do different pieces of work for me, including all my subcontractors, um, it would nearly come second it would really come, it comes very easy to me to to manage people and and, and manage jobs and manage tasks on, on a daily basis right because of my I suppose my former life so 2009 then essentially what happened is um, all the development type work 
in in Dublin, as we all know, yeah. tied up completely. Yeah. And I found myself in a situation where uh, I was working with a consultant engineer at the time, and we were all made redundant. And I had a brother, a builder, and he had some properties that he'd built for himself in Dublin 8, and I used to give him a hand every now and then and dig out basically in terms of his office work, because he was undergoing a bit of a, uh, a, a kind of a <clears throat> review of all his business at the time as well. And he asked me one day to go and take some photos of a property that he had to let. And then he asked me to go and put up a daft ad for it. Um, because he'd gotten rid of his secretary as well at the time due to mm-hmm. cost cutting measures. Yeah. And before I knew it, I had done a letting. Uh-huh. And I said to myself, I think I like this work. I like to people, I like meeting people and whatever. Yeah. And before I knew it, I'd done a letting. And then this idea came to me. I'd like to set up as an estate agent, and that's Goodness. what has landed me here today. Right. All these years later, I went to Revenue, got my license for the first two years, and then I got my license with, with um, the PSRA in 2011, and that's how that's how I developed. Well, that's a great story yeah, from yeah. Windsor yeah. to here. Indeed. That's fantastic. Yes. Well, Geraldine, thank you very much. And if anyone wants to get in contact with you, it's GeraldineCarey.ie. K-E-A-R-Y. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that story with us. Did you enjoy this podcast? If so, we'd love you to subscribe to it and tell your friends, family and colleagues. In the meanwhile... If you think you'd benefit from some professional help with your next property transaction, then head over to brefneyokelly.ie to see which of our three property services might be best for you. Thanks for listening.